0: Good morning everyone. Glad you're here with us this morning. I know a lot of people are traveling and out and about today on the holiday weekend, so it's good uh, to have you here with us today. Uh, Our key scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. It's in your bulletin this morning, and I'll be reading it here for you today. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, I know that's sort of a weird selection for a verse this morning. But we have been studying leadership here and talking about what to look for in leaders and what our leaders should be. And there are a lot of different things we could focus on when we talk about Jesus being a leader. There are lots of different things we could talk about, lots of different things we could look at. But perhaps one of the greatest qualities as, of Jesus as a leader is also one of his most overlooked In the Gospels, it is mentioned several times that Jesus went to someone's house and ate with them. And I love how Matthew puts it here, this particular phrasing just makes me laugh. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. It's just a funny label to me. Many tax collectors and sinners came, and they ate with Jesus and his disciples. Now, here's the thing when I think about that statement. One, Jesus had to eat. Two, he liked to eat with other people. And three, he went to people's homes, he ate with them there. But something that we see in a lot of these cases, except when, say, he ate at a Pharisee's house or somewhere else, All the people that were a part of that person's community, like Matthew, were able to come into this place and to spend time with Jesus. So what is that quality about Jesus? And I think there's a lot of things we could say about it. I mean, he was a great teacher, he was powerful, he performed miracles, but there's something about Jesus that makes him an easy guy to be around Particularly if you 're a tax collector in a center, and he was a people person. He spoke in public at the temple near the synagogue on the streets, but in the rest of his time, where he 's traveling or he 's moving between places, he is spending time not only with his twelve, with his closest followers and forging these relationships with them, but he spent time in the home, the homes of those who would invite him in, who would offer him. A meal. He, but furthermore, he was in the homes of those who loved him and the homes of those who did not. He was in the homes of those who were loved and appreciated by others and he was in the homes of those who didn't have as many friends. And when you read through the stories of the gospel and you start to pay attention to the meals, you start to see that Jesus didn't care so much about whose table he was around as long as there was good food, conversation, and all were welcome. Jesus displayed a, a quality that I think has become more and more rare today, and that is he knew how to be present with whoever he was with, wherever they were. And he knew how to be there with them in their homes, around the table, giving them the attention that only he could give. Jesus knew how to be present. And I feel like in today's world, being present is more and more of a challenge for us. We have so many things that are constantly pulling to have our time and attention. We have these mobile devices that give us all the information in the world whenever we want it. And we are accessible To everyone we know and people calling from Great Lakes, Minnesota and wherever else the marketing calls come from and a constant, we are at everyone's back and call. And the truth of the matter is that while these things can be really good, they also pull us away from being present with those that we are around. So this morning I am challenged by this simple practice of Jesus. That yes, he did all these amazing things, but perhaps one of the greatest things he did for those he was around was he was in the same space as them, and he was fully present and gave them the gift of his attention and time. Okay, so... um, this is uh this will be the last Sunday that we're going to talk about uh leadership here uh within uh the sermon time. So, uh just to give you sort of an update on where we are in the selection process. Um, I actually got the timeline wrong that I've been talking to you about. So, um, you have until next Sunday to um, to nominate someone and that's actually pretty good since you know we're such a small group here this morning. Uh, so we have until next week to nominate someone. We have had some nominations come forward, and we'll tell you about those in two weeks. Um, so this morning, as we wrap up talking about leadership, um, there's there's a few things I want to go over again, and uh, some some new things that I want us to look at. Um, so last week was a was a really interesting Sunday i think i don't I don't know how you felt about last sunday uh it was very interesting for me, uh not only because I couldn't stop myself from like telling telling jokes in real time yeah um but uh it's as as I was thinking about last sunday and honestly it it even just relates to us here today is um I really appreciate I really appreciate how How we are together, and i, I what I mean by that is um, I, I just don't i can't think of another group of people that where we could have had a sermon slash discussion like we had that's what I mean, uh, and even today, like I know that there's not very many of us here today, but it still feels okay. Do you know what i mean like it's all right because uh, there's just there's there is something about you, there's something about the church, this church, about the relationships that we have together uh, that I just really appreciate, and um, I wanted to share that with you this morning. Uh, so we've tried to ask several different questions uh, as we're going through. Uh, so we're, this is the recap portion uh, of the morning, and uh, so what What are elders Um and there are two passages that we looked that we've looked at uh from 1 Timothy and from Titus that have given us some direction but here here we go so elders are uh older christian an older christian who is able to uh lead through experience so they've seen life they've gone through different things and their age gives them an opportunity to speak back into uh the experiences we have as as a church and that you have uh the uh, another term that's used besides elder is the term shepherd which is someone who uh, is taking care of the needs of others in the body. And and we talked, there are a couple key things that a shepherd, in order to be a shepherd, that you must do. Number one is, if you are going to be a shepherd, you must have a flock. There must be sheep, okay? Otherwise, you're not a shepherd, you're just a dude who smells bad. (laughs) Um, And uh, so you've got to have sheep, and... And, but besides that, the role of the shepherd is not just to have sheep right but to take care of the sheep, so the shepherd needs to lead the sheep to greener pastures, need to make sure that they 're protected at night, that predators can 't come in and get them, and so there is really this sense of uh, which I love of this this person who is you know living with, spending time with, taking care of of all of the things that are going on in the life of the sheep. Uh, the, the third term that we saw is the term overseer, which a good uh, translation of this word would be uh, guide or caretaker. Uh, and again, this is, this is one of those terms that can be a little bit tricky because overseer sounds very much like manager to me. Um, but the sense of the word is not one who simply like holds power or authority over someone else but someone who oversees and, again, takes care of the needs of those uh, who are below him. And um, so the, the, the main thing that we've said really over the past couple of weeks when we're looking for people who might be elders uh, of our church is that the kinds of people we want to put into these roles are the people who are already fulfilling them in one way or another. Um, and, and I know I've said this multiple times, but you don't start serving when you become an elder. Right? You're already serving, and you're already doing things for the community, and really it's just a confirmation that the community is giving that we see you doing these kinds of things, and we want you to do it officially. Um, now, as we as we started to sort of dig into last week, um, there are what we have called qualifications uh, for elders within the books of 1 Timothy and Titus, and... Uh, So where where these things, where these passages are really informative is that they they sort of point out to us that the life of an individual will help us to know whether they can be a good leader for a church or not. Whether they are going to really help people grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, So we have the two lists from 1 Timothy and from Titus. And uh, the lists are not exactly the same. There are some different descriptions. There are some different things in each of them. They don't match up completely. And, and one of the things we talked about is that um, perhaps that tells us that Paul was not really trying to create a one-size-fits-all list that we're supposed to look at and compare to when we are looking for leaders of a church. And, and we mentioned how the two churches that he's writing to were in very different areas. And the cities were very different. And so you wouldn't necessarily look for the exact same person in both of these places. Um, and, and so what Paul is giving us here is is a sketch, a description of the kind of person that we should look for. Uh, we're going to look at these passages again today uh, to pull out some some important things that we didn't uh, get to last week. But Paul uh, brings up here that... in a way that you can tell if someone is going to be a good leader of of a church or a group of Christians is to look at that person's family, and the first thing that we see is what is his relationship like with his wife um, do Does it seem to be a healthy loving caring relationship does there are they able to talk with one another you know does it seem like things are going and and Kelly brought up the excellent question of, well, how do you really know what someone is like? Um, which, which, is a good, which is a good question. Um, and, and so, you know, what, what I think we are looking for here, again, and this is, so, this is so important for us to clarify when we look at these different things, is that it can be so easy for us to transition for looking for someone who has really good qualities to looking for someone who is perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it can be so easy for us to, to make that transition. Um, so when we look at a marriage, what are we looking for? Well, a healthy marriage shows that this person knows how to be in a long-term committed relationship. And as we talked about last week, you know, marriages are not easy. Um, there are challenges daily, sometimes hourly. Um we're not going to go to minutes because that just seems indulgent to go that far. Um, so, so we know that they're challenging, but someone who has stuck with it through hard times, we, we can look at that and say, you know, that's, that's a good thing, that this person has stuck in this relationship through things that have been good, things that have been bad. And we want to see that someone has done that in their life, that someone has been committed and stuck with it because when we put leaders here in the church, we want them to stick with us, right? Like we want them to because we're going to have our ups and downs. We're going to have times that are where things are not easy and where we have to deal with difficult things and we don't want someone that's going to bail, right? We want someone that's going to be, that's going to be here and stuck with it. Um, And then the second thing that was brought up was um, has has the elder, has this person nurtured healthy, stable, faithful children? And, and the question, again, that we think is most important to ask is, is more this way, because, you know, Titus says children who are believers. Timothy doesn't say that. It says children who, you know, basically are not wild animals. But um, the, the important question is, I think, did, did he provide an environment where his kids had every opportunity to know the love of God, you know? Um, did did they do their did the did he do his best there? Uh, and, and so we need to remember as we look at these things again that Paul uh, is giving us these these kind of bigger descriptions, these things that are characteristics, are are traits of of what a good elder would be, what a good leader would be. And so let's take a look at everything else. Then we we covered the hard stuff last week with marriage and, and kids and family. And if you weren't here, uh, I would advise you to, to listen to last week's sermon because we, we went into it in pretty good detail. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be in 1 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1. Um, we established last week that all of you have at least nine fingers so, um, if you want to stick your fingers into those two passages this morning, that that would be fine. So, from First Timothy chapter three, verses one through seven. <clears throat> Here is a trustworthy saying: Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And now to Titus chapter 1. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So a lot of, uh, some of the information that I used to uh, write these lessons came from a book called They Smell Like Sheep by Lynn Anderson, which is kind of, has been the standard for talking about leadership in churches for about the last 20 years. Um, and And he suggested from this, in his book, that they are, Within these passages, we see very specific character traits that are the kind of character traits that we're looking for. So we're going to look at those this morning and talk about why these things are important. And so the first thing that we see from these two passages is that an elder, if you're going to be an elder, you need to be a a man of consistency, okay, a man of consistency. Now, what does that mean and why is that important? Um, there's some, I don't know if, as we read through these lists again, if there were some terms or some things that kind of pop out to you. Like every time I read through it, there are a few things that always stick out to me. And, and, and two of the, two of the terms that really stick out to me are that an elder needs to be blameless and above reproach. Now, that seems like really difficult terminology to me, um, um, and, and there's a reason why that's difficult for me, is that I know that no matter who we put in as an elder, there are things in their life that are going to be tough. Like, there, there is no such thing as a flawless person in this church. Um, and other churches as well, by the way. Uh, it's not just true of us. I just, just to put your minds at ease a little bit. Uh, this is a pretty much a universal concept. Um, so, so then, what are we, what are we doing with this? What does that mean that they are blameless and above reproach? Because that language seems to be pretty uh, all inclusive. Um, so we have to be a little bit careful because it does not mean that if you're going to be an elder, you need to be flawless and that everyone is going to like you. Um, because we're not looking for someone who is perfect. If you remember uh, back two weeks ago, I, we said one of the primary things that an elder needs to know is that they are not the boss. God is the boss. And furthermore, I would argue that one of the primary things an elder needs to identify with is what it means to be redeemed and under the grace of God in Jesus. And so we can't when we look at this, we can't begin to separate these two things, okay? That well, because they're blameless it means they don't have any problems and there's nothing going on and there's nothing they ever have to deal with and there's nothing. So so that's not really that's that that's not really what this means, okay? Because even in these passages if you looked at it, an elder is not to be a new Christian. Why? Because they can become, look at the, if, if, you, if you still have it there, okay, uh, look at the language that is used. It's in 1st Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment of the devil. And what was it that the devil tried to do? Usurp the position of God. Okay, and what do we know based on the year-long study we did, <laughs> what happens with, man, with humanity when we have some power? Who do we forget about first? God, okay? So, so there, has to be, there has to be balance here when, when we look at this. So what do we know is true? We know that these people are going to have flaws, and we know that everyone has critics. No matter how lovable we are, we all have disagreements with others, and all of us in this room are probably disliked by someone somewhere. I mean, it's just it's just true. So just because someone is not liked by someone else, it doesn't mean that they're not qualified to be an elder. Or just because someone has deals with sin in their life, it doesn't mean they're not qualified to be an elder. Okay, so let's just get that out there. So what Paul is saying, though, is that elders must be people who are consistent enough in character to earn the trust and respect of those who know them. Uh, Paul even takes this so far to acknowledge that the elder, if you're going to be an elder, you need to have a good reputation amongst people outside the church. People need to feel like, you know, this is someone that can be trusted, to be honest, to be true. Um, so I, 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 wanna, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind for a second, because I, I think it's going to take us to an important point. Um. And, and so that's interesting. Paul is saying that if you are going to be considered a leader at your church, but the people that you're in business with, with or work with think that you're a total jerk, well then something is, something's off, right? Um, if, if the people you work with don't believe you're trustworthy, then maybe going into leadership of a group of people that are trying to be like Jesus is, is not the best call, um, so, so that's, that's an interesting thing for us to keep in mind. Um, but furthermore, an elder needs to be not just consistent in behavior and action, but needs to be consistent in being present and available for the sheep, right? I mean, the shepherd can't just be like, it's Saturday night, sheep. You chill here while I go hang out with the other shepherds, all right? Th- that's not really... That's not really the image that we get. Like the shepherd has to be around the sheep, right? The shepherd has to know the sheep, and the sheep need to know, need to know him. So so a shepherd needs an elder needs to be consistently present and, and show and know the flock and what their needs are and what's going on. Now, let's backtrack one second. I want you to think about this idea about well, they're to be blameless. They're to be blameless and above reproach, but we know that they're still. So let's get back to this just as we close out this part. And and here's here's what I would say is a great way to look at this. An elder needs, I believe, needs to be honest about who he is. He needs to know himself. So we know that blameless doesn't mean without sin. We know that. But isn't it true that we respect people and trust people who are open about what's going on in their life and what they struggle with and how they're relying on God more than we trust people who pretend like nothing is wrong? Yeah, I mean that's true for me. That much, I much I trust people who who are honest with me about what they're doing de- because they're being honest. <laughs> I mean, I hate to make it so like simple, but they're being honest about where about where they are and about what they're dealing with. And as we all work together to become more like Jesus, whoever we put into this role is not going to have all the answers to being just like Jesus. Right? But if they know what it's like to be on the way to being like Jesus, and if they're willing to talk about what it means to struggle and how they wrestle and what they're doing to grow, that's the kind of person that I want to help guide me. Make sense? Okay, good. Uh, secondly, an elder must have self-control. Now, self-control is an interesting one. Um, and, and it's interesting because when we talk about self-control, we always apply it in the negative and And here's what I mean by that we, we always talk about it in terms of the things that we need to stop doing um and And there are certainly examples of this within the passages we just read uh number one an, an elder needs to be able to control his temper. Um, uh, Paul says specifically that he must not be overbearing uh and and there's a really good reason for this uh you may you may be aware of this, you may not be aware of this, but when you're in leadership at a church, you are often open game for criticism. It's just, it's just true. You are, it, it is, you, you open yourself up to the opinions of others and everyone always has an opinion. Uh It might be about, how long a prayer was or what song was sung or why this isn't happening or why that's not happening. And it can be hard as a leader of a church to have conversations about things that are actually like positive and constructive as opposed to like why are these things not happening or why is this not going this direction or or whatever it is. And so an elder is often going to be criticized and at times will even come under personal attack. And so he must show that, and this is, it just it just is what it is, that he can to a degree absorb the hostility and keep cool even when people are not being so kind and loving. Uh, and that can be a really difficult thing to do. Let me just ask you this question, because you may be different than me. Um, but when someone comes to you and says you've done something wrong or you haven't done something like you should, what is your first response? It's, all, it's defensiveness right right it's it's always defensiveness and you know i have had the experience in in my own life and with with other leaders and i can just tell you an elder who is willing to engage someone who is critical of them without jumping straight to defensiveness is a gift it's a gift and and not something to be overlooked. But it is something that takes some practice and, and some learning as well. Um, so that that's the first thing that that an elder must be able to control his temper. Uh, a second thing that Paul points out is that he can't be a lover of money. Okay? Um and, and so there's this idea. And again, because this person is we have to realize that at the time, um, they didn't have necessarily a church bank account, uh, when they were, when they were writing these things. Were they sharing resources? Yes. Were they supporting things? Yes. But again, it, this, it's this idea that, um, this person has his priorities where they should be. And if he is oriented toward, making money or towards doing all these other things more than he is toward people in the community, then that's that's an issue. Um, number three, he needs to be in control of his appetites. Uh, the example that is given is uh, he must not be given to drunkenness, okay? So what are we seeing in these negative elements? We're seeing that an elder needs to be someone who doesn't just fly off the handle with whatever it is, whether it's money or alcohol or anything else, it needs to be a person of self-control who is keeping themselves where they need to be. But it's not all negative, okay? It's not all negative because, believe it or not, self-control actually applies in very positive ways as well. For example, an elder needs to be a person of discipline. Now, that doesn't just mean He's going to keep himself from doing the things that he shouldn't. It means that he's also doing the things that he should, right? That he's spending time in the Word of God, that he has a relationship with God, where he's, that, he's following, that he's doing these things that are all positive. Um, because, and I can't overstate this, when we sign up for leadership, we are signing up to care for others, and that means that no matter what is going on in our lives, as me as the minister, I... I I get a lot of the same things. So, for elders, no matter what is going on in their lives, they must be able to still reach out to those that are hurting, and to play this role of support and help, and uh, through all these different kinds of things. And, and it's why, it's why the image of the shepherd is so important. Because, you know, a shepherd may be having a bad day, but if a wolf is coming for one of the sheep, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Um, Elders must also be able to lead out of the spiritual depth that they are cultivating within themselves. Um, I had the experience of driving an electric car over this last week. My my truck, as many of you know, was wrecked uh, by a valet, and the final tag on the truck repair was $16,000. Yeah, it was substantial. substantial Uh, the other the other person's insurance is paying for all of that um but then with a rental car like for three weeks it's going to be even more than that so but i i had the experience of driving this electric car for for i guess it was three or four days and uh as awesome as it was to not have to pay for gas i had to go to specific chargers and i had to plan whatever i was doing i had to make sure that I could get to these chargers if I had to. Which means I had to wait in line in some places. And I had to go somewhere like at 10 o'clock at night to charge the car so that I could have enough power for the next day. But there's a principle that I kind of learned from that, and that is this. You can't drive it if it's empty. (laughs) If the battery's dead, you can't just go to the gas station and be like, bro, you have 220? Like, no, you just can't. You can't do it, right? You have to make sure the battery is full. And listen, church leadership is the same way. If the battery is empty, you're not going to be able to drive the car. you got to have something that God is giving you, that you're relying on God for, that you are cultivating within yourself from which to give. Because we are called to be here for... um, for other people and to help them uh, through whatever is going on in their lives. So there needs to be this spiritual relationship. Um, Paul says that they should also be able to teach. Um, and I want to I want to clarify this for you for a second, because when we hear that an elder should be able to teach, what do we think? We think Sunday school. Yeah. Or we think preach. That's not really, that's not, again, they didn't have Sunday school. And, uh, they didn't even have Bibles, <laughs> so just keep that in mind as, as we're reading this. You know, they had this letter, um, and an understanding of what the gospel was. So there was a definite concern at that time because they the gospel was be, was in these places where it was new and fresh. They wanted people that understood what the gospel was and was able to tell other people what the gospel is because other people were saying, well, it can't be that, it has to be this, or it can't be this, it has to be that, and all these ideas are coming in. And one of the main jobs of the elders was to make sure that the true gospel was being preached in these places and taught and shared. But when we look at teaching here, it's not about classes or seminars or sermons. It means that these, in order to be an elder, you have to be able to instruct people Spiritually, you have to be able to guide them. You have to be able to help them uh, make the choices that God uh, is leading them to. So are they, you know, are you able to, is the elder able to give other people scriptural answers to help them find their way? Are they, are they students? Are they able to speak up and defend their faith? Are they able to speak from their life the ways that God has, has helped them and changed them? Thirdly, these last two, I think, are so interesting and important, but an elder has to be a man of courage. An elder has to be a man of courage. Now, that's not something you would immediately identify. Um, but as I alluded to earlier, this is, this is someone that we are asking to help lead us to be more like Jesus, right? And being like Jesus is not easy, and sometimes it's going to bring you into conflict with certainly the world around us. And sometimes it's going to put us into situations in people's lives where we're having to deal with things that are very difficult. Um, so an elder has to be able to speak into those times and to have courage and conviction in terms of what God is leading them to. He's got to be able to stand up and speak for God stand up and speak into things where his wisdom or his guidance or his experience are needed. Um, as Paul puts it, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as been taught so he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. They've got to know what God is about and, and have to know how to communicate to others. And we have to remember at this point that Paul and Jesus, for that matter, have emphasized the elder doesn't lord his power over others and insist on his way, um, but instead, when when someone who is an elder faces opposition, he's willing to stick to where God is leading him and his understanding of the word, even if that decision—this is listen to this—is not popular. I mean, sometimes in church leadership, you have to make choices that not everyone's going to love. But ideally, why are you making those choices? Because you're in conversation with God. And you're trusting him and listening to him. And sometimes that means you have to decide things that are not easy. You have to decide things that are just plain difficult and are going to make other people unhappy. And in those times, we need someone who is going to listen to God over you. Do you hear me? Like, Like I said, we all have opinions about a lot of things. But whose opinion is the one that matters? It's God's. And sometimes... You have to be able to have a conversation with someone where you ask them what is God telling you about this? Have you prayed about this? Have you studied this? Where you, you know where is this this coming from? And that takes courage. When someone comes to you with a certain conviction, um and, and so this is a point that uh Lynn Anderson made in his book and I just want to repeat it for you here, but he says an elder will do what he believes is spiritually beneficial for the family of God even and maybe especially when it is hard it takes conviction it takes courage to make some of these choices and you know as much as i have to tell you as as a minister and your elders here at this church We all view it as something special and amazing to be involved in your lives the way that we are. To be someone that you call when you need encouragement or help or prayer to be involved in your lives in that way. That all of us, I feel very comfortable saying this, all of us view that as as an amazing gift that you invite us into your lives in the way that you do. And none of us take it for granted that you're asking us to lend our voice to your spiritual walk, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. And we want to be a leadership group and we want to be a team that speaks in love and care and that walks with you in these things. And uh, so lastly, and this is the most interesting to me of all of them. I like the courage one a lot. I do. But... Um, this is just not one that you often think about and that is so easy to overlook on these checklists, but an elder needs to be hospitable, approachable. You have to be able to have relationship with them because if you can't, there's going to be a disconnect, right? Now, this one speaks to me pretty well because um, people scare me. <laughs> I know that I give myself a hard time about it. And that's because I know um, how challenging it can be for me to have uh, regular social interactions that other mammals think is totally fine. But, um, you know, but it can be challenging for me. But I, I will say that I, I have really, I've worked hard over the years, and I know that our elders have here too, to make this something that is true about us. We have a very approachable group of leaders, and that, too, is a blessing. Um, So it's fascinating to me that, that this idea of hospitality is included on both lists, and yet it's something that we don't give a lot of attention to. But we saw it with Jesus, right? What would Jesus do? He would go to people's homes. He would eat dinner with them. Um, If he had a home, he would have invited them to it. But he didn't. So Jesus lived this out. He was hospitable. He spent time with people. He went into their homes. He got to know them. Um, Because it's not just about the shepherd knowing the sheep. The sheep have to know the shepherd back. And that happens around dinner tables and in living rooms and in all those places where you get to see uh, what someone is like. And I've had powerful moments like that over the years Um, with teenagers coming into my home, with me going into the home of of some of you, with me being in elders' homes and staying with them and doing all these, you know, it is at those times where um, something real is formed between people. And we want to have leaders and elders who live, out, live that out in their lives. Uh, Lynn Anderson, again, put it this way. He said, We receive only limited shepherding from elders whose living room couches and kitchen tables we've never seen, for those shepherds remain somewhat remote for us. When an elder has no place for me in his home, how can I feel he has a place for me in his heart? But when we go off into his home, we get a firsthand look at what goes on with his family and we feel loved and valued by them. So, as we consider all the things that we want leaders to be, I, I suggest that um, we can't overlook the most simple thing, which I think may be at the core of all of this that we've looked at over the past three weeks. I mentioned this morning in Children's Sermon the passage from Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is talking to people about their anxieties and their worries. And he says, you're worrying about where you're going to go tomorrow. You're worrying about what you're going to do. You're worried about what's going to happen. You're worried about what you're going to wear. You're worried about what you're going to eat. And then he throws that line in there, which we, if you've read this passage before, you know. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. And here's what is so fascinating about that to me. He's, I don't think that Jesus is saying the answer to all of your anxiety and worries and things is easy. I mean, Jesus knows how difficult it has been for humanity over time to seek first the kingdom of God. I mean, that's why he's here, right? To die, because we don't always do that. But I want to just suggest this morning that when we are looking for leaders, ultimately, what are we looking for? We are looking for people, for men, who seek first the kingdom of God. You see it in their marriage, you see it in their relationships with their kids, you see it in the way they treat other people, you see it in the way they conduct themselves, you, th- you see it in the, way, in the things that they're interested in and what they put their time into, and you see it in these areas. You see it in everywhere, that they are seeking first the kingdom of God. But I don't want to ignore the last part of that, which is that when we have leaders in place that seek first the kingdom of God, what does God do in response to that? He takes care. He takes care of what the needs are. And I feel like for us now, the elders that we have, and even those whose names I know have been put forward, these are families, these are people that put that seek God and the things that they do and the ways that they live their lives. We are blessed to have families and men within this church that do this, that look for God. And you know what is amazing? We have seen God provide all that is needed for them. Amen. We've seen this. We've seen God work in, in our lives and we are sharing that story. So I want to encourage you as you have one more week and then we're going to continue on with this uh, through the process and, and we'll talk about that uh next week. But I want to encourage you again to pray about this, to pray for those who are considering taking this role. It's a it is a big deal. And um it's it is a lot of responsibility. Uh but we want these people whose names are being put forward and who are accepting those nominations, we want them to be excited about the opportunity to serve from this place of everything that God has done for them, um, from this place of where the battery is full. And so maybe something we pray even this morning is that God would fill their battery as they get ready for for what's coming ahead um and again we I, we are so we are so blessed to have to already have leaders, elders, and to have people that are willing to serve that I think are the kinds of people that are seeking God, that are seeking his kingdom first, and that are listening to God, and that are consistent and courageous and self controlled and all these things. We are blessed. Amen? Amen. And I say I say this is an important and special time for us because it is. Because any time we are able to tap people on the shoulder and say, "We see we see God working in you and we want you to help others find this as well." It's a it's a great thing. It's a great thing that we get the opportunity to do this. And we pray that God will bless us, will bless those who are willing to serve. So let's pray together as as we close here this morning. God, we are grateful for the family that you have given us. We are grateful for the lives that intersect in this place. We are grateful for the men, the families that have served as elders in this church over time. We're grateful for their fingerprints that have been left all over this community. God, we are grateful for the elders that we have now, for their love and care and willingness to serve this community. God, we pray for strength, for consistency, for courage, for conviction for them as they continue to serve in this place. And God, we pray for those whose names are coming forward and we ask, God, that you would give them clarity and wisdom and confidence in you. That, God, if you are calling them, you are not calling them to fail but you are calling them to be loving and caring leaders of this church. And God, we pray for what you are going to do in us. For God, we want you to be in front of us wherever we go, whatever we do, however we do it. God, would you go before us and would you help us to have ears that hear and eyes that see where you want us to be so that we can be a presence for your son in this city. We love you. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any needs or prayers this morning that you need, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing this song together.